Welcome to the New Mind Creator Podcast with your host, Maurice, the New Mind Creator. Today I'll be interviewing Philip Montrose. Please make sure to hit the subscribe button so that you'll receive alerts when new episodes are available on Sundays at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Also, please leave me a five stars review on iTunes or Spotify. describe that spiritual group you were a part of that you had to leave because you got to a certain point they could only go to a certain point because of the you know the restriction right now a lot of people are in groups and even religions to a certain extent can be this way and they can be kind of cult-like rather isolated and one of the key philosophies and i and when i first heard this i i never really bought into it and i Growing up Jewish, we had the same thing about the chosen people, like you're the chosen group, whatever, you know, my group, name your group is chosen, which puts you sort of at odds and superior to other people, which never made any sense to me. And that was part of why I became very uncomfortable even in junior high school, where there were these cliques and so forth of different people uh, sort of seeing themselves as superior to others. And there's, of course, just today in the whole society and racial tensions and so forth, it's all played out in, in writ large. So this whole idea of in this group, this spiritual group, the Gurdjieff Espensky derived group, this was a group that was awakened and had the keys to the kingdom, so to speak. We had our kind of own language and philosophy, spiritual. And a lot of it's very wonderful and profound, and I still use it today. But this idea i think is very faulty and 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 separatist that you know somehow i am almost better or privileged because i have this information now it's true that some knowledge and wisdom may be more um, objectively true or more profound i mean just in terms of depth of things and that's true but to say that a person is quote better or superior because of being in a group, then then you're really divisive and you're missing the point. So that was the part that was limiting. And and another part, Maurice, about this that my wife Jane Mountrose and I we we realized was, um, uh, you know, with a group, it's kind of like you think of things that you're there for a while, like you go to school and you graduate, or you, this is one part of your journey, right? With the group is. And it's the same way with a lot of other groups and religions. It's like you never graduate. It's like a permanent thing. So <laughs> sort of cast in stone. And when you leave this group, you're shunned too, which often happens, even though these people were very close to me and I really enjoyed them and had these close relationships because of the group, you couldn't really associate with people who left the group. Uh, and that's another unfortunate practice that's sometimes seen of people become outcasts and exiles and heretics and in times past. So it essentially keeps us separated. So I definitely understand that point. So Philip, why is it important for us to be aware of all of our emotions, the negative and the positive? You uh, alluded to it moments right. ago. Right. Um, you know, we, we have a whole kind of, a whole uh, description of them in, in our book, This Loving Power of Your Soul. But simply put, is we have all these feelings which come from our body, which are the way we're interacting in the world. And if we try, we, if we try to control them, it doesn't work. If we are aware of them, that is useful. And at times we might be angry if someone, for instance, violates our boundaries. Uh, we might 
be angry. You know, we might be legitimately be fearful if something is threatening our, our life. Unfortunately, a lot of uh, distortions come because of our programming and our experiences, especially in childhood. So the feelings are really distorted, although we're reacting wrongly. So it's good to notice, like, you know, does it make sense to be afraid? Uh, you know, if someone's uh, coming at you at, with a car that might be dangerous, you should be very alert and maybe have fear and cortisol and body reactions. But if someone says something that reminds me of uh, something my father said that irritated me and I became very angry, that doesn't make sense. That, you know, that then, then so I, you want to be aware of all of them and see which ones are useful and which ones are not. And the more you can do that, the more you're in a positive place, a more resourceful place, the way we call it. And that's when you connect with your soul, your, your inner awareness, you can kind of use yourself as, a, as an instrument or a vessel to be more productive and aware and, and live your life fully. So it's like being aware of all of your emotions and feelings and then choosing to give your focus to that which is most useful and beneficial for you. Right. Well, let's use an example right now, yeah. like the world's in this very uh, war, uh, uh, war-torn place where, where there's invasions and so forth. And that's very, it can be very despairing, like it brings out despair and, and a lot of sadness, but it can turn into compassion, which is kind of a higher emotion. And it also can turn into hope to see the, the bright light behind the, the really dark clouds of the oppression and violence that is happening, which is happening now and mm -hmm. every day and throughout history. But if you focus only solely on that, uh, you lose yourself, you lose uh, your way. And so you want to have the full gamut of emotions, just like if you're an artist, you want to have the full gamut of all the different colors and all the different shades and all the different topics to choose from and be selective. In fact, you can use your life as, as a work of art. Why is compassion a higher emotion? With compassion, it really is a more soulful emotion, uh, 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 an emotion which is deeper, which you're aware of the big picture. So right now is you know, we're listening, I'm listening to you, you're listening to me, listeners are listening to your, your wonderful show. Thanks for inviting me, by the way. Um, and uh, as you're aware of that, certain things create higher energy or higher vibrations and connections. So if I'm compassionate for people who are suffering uh, for being uh, invaded or oppressed, say, for instance, that brings out a higher awareness uh, in me and a higher energy in me and a greater connection, as opposed to just kind of going on and just chalking it off and just saying that's too bad, or actually going into fear and despair, which may happen temporarily. Maybe that might be natural for a brief time, but then it's like going into the ditch with them. So you can't really help people if you're in the ditch too, and you're despairing, how are you going to help someone who is hurting or needs help, or at least needs uh, uh, comfort. What are some reason you believe a fully functioning person may not exercise that compassion? Uh, I'm not quite sure uh, of the question. C can you elaborate a little? Like this is a, you said compassion is more of the soul. It's a bigger picture. Yes. 
And some people seem to lack that compassion, like things that are happening in the world, even like you said, we live in a war torn world and even things that happen to people and that are horrendous. And some people may just ooze compassion for that thing, even though it doesn't affect them, but they can feel what someone else's uh, plight, I would say. Right. So, so, so your the question is kind of why, why, why some people go ahead. Yeah, why do you believe uh, some people don't exercise compassion, and while others do? Okay, n- now I'm with you. So, a couple thoughts on that, Maurice, would be uh, part of it is is the way you're sort of structured. You know, some people are more empathetic and sensitive just by the way they are by nature from birth. So that's one thing. And that may, sometimes it has to do with male and female, but it often has to do with just the way you're, you're sort of set up and structured and sensitivities. Like some people are very empathic and if they go into a room and, and there's a lot of negativity, uh, for one, some people may, well, some people may not know it at all. Some people may be somewhat bothered but and some people might be very disturbed. There might, there would be a range in other words. but. Overall, if you're if you're um, if you're sort of indifferent to people suffering, that's that can be a sign of development or lack of development, at least in that area, where you haven't developed the sense of compassion, which is a soul-based quality, which means it's kind of like a person who hasn't uh, developed something on a deeper level, a spiritual level. Yeah. So that could lead us into inner healing. What is yes. inner healing? Inner healing. Well. When you go about your, your day today, uh, when something throws you off, you want to look at what that is. Now, it could be something just external where maybe you're disappointed that you were going to go out. And I'm, I'm a tennis player and it's raining and I'm, a, I'm disappointed. So that's external. And it, it's a minor thing, of course. But if it's something that like uh, if it's something that someone says and you react to it, I remember one time when I was a high school teacher, someone said something and I just was very sarcastic. And then I had an outburst that came from me as a, a negative outburst toward that person. I don't even, it was almost like it came from someone else. It was very automatic. It triggered something in me. So that means something in me was reacting. A part of me was hurt that projected out. So what does that mean? Well, you could go on default and just ignore that and go on, and you may not have the tools and development yet to know what to do with it. But at a certain point, you do want to uh, find out and become aware, and that's part of the spiritual journey. And that's then you go into the inner healing, and it, sometimes it's the inner child or the part of you that feels uh, hurt or wounded or unsuccessful or a failure or abandoned. And there's a whole variety of those things which come from experiences, at least in this lifetime, if not longer, that we're carrying with us. That seems part of this journey. We're all on this human journey uh, to discover things and to learn more about ourselves and everyone else and to find out more love and growth and wholeness. What was that thing that you had to overcome, that inner thing that hindered you to some degree that you had to be healed from? I would say the two things were the, and I mentioned it earlier because your thoughtful questions about like being successful, 
Because if you have a belief, you know, like the, the part, because my family was saying, be successful, be successful, Philip Montrose, be successful, because they were worried because of their own fears and failures, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's a part of me like, if, if I can't be successful. So if you, if you can't be successful, even though I've created a lot of success in my business, in the many books I've written, in the trainings, in the coaching trainings, the individual sessions I've helped people, if the part is still believing I am not a success, it doesn't really matter what, you know, it's like saying I'm, I'm not wealthy enough. Well, here's a million dollars, but I'm not wealthy enough. Well, here's 2 million. Well, I'm still not wealthy enough because that's a belief, a mindset. So once you heal that and say, I am successful and I am going to be more successful and I have the resources I need, for example, or also just being uh, abandoned, a certain part of feeling like I'm abandoned or helpless. And that's another kind of part of overcoming the part of being uh, isolated or alone or like no one cares about me. So I'd, I'd say those are the two woundings that I find coming up in me and many other people, uh, uh, kind of variations on feelings of failure. And so first of all, you be, want to become aware of them and learn, have energy tools, have tools. And a lot of people find doing inner healing like the holistic EFT we do in the spiritual kinesiology and hypnotherapy are really useful and practical. And then um, and then you're good to go, you know, even though there may be other things that come along the way and, and other levels to it that you'll deal with as you go on your journey. So, so being aware is key. And when those thoughts and those moods come up instead of going with them the tools that you gain you utilize those tools in those moments exactly so you interrupt yourself if you notice you're off like if something you said really bothered me for some reason just conjecturally uh then I would take a note of that and I'd certainly want to manage myself in a social situation certainly being on a show like this And then I would go back and probably in my meditation and do some inner healing and say, hey, what's going on there? What did I feel? What was I thinking? And we we do some energy healing, some energy tapping, which balances your body or connecting with the soul directly, which is what we write about in in the book, The Loving Power of Your Soul, and getting a a kind of a soul healing, like seeing the big picture. Uh, Like uh, one example, we have a little process, Maurice, from mud to the mountain top. So the mud would be that hurt like you know that person hurt my feelings that person rejected me say for instance that would be sort of like the mud and if you imagine going up to the mountaintop or a beautiful lofty panoramic view which is actually physically you have a panoramic view and that wide angle lens and breathe the air and then consider connecting with everything and everyone and then go back down to you know the person who rejected me or feeling despair about the war-torn world or whatever it is you're you're dealing with, it looks completely differently. And and there's a saying in the Vedic, the Hindu scriptures that the same thing viewed from a different perspective is completely different. And if you go to the soulful place, which I'm sure you do in your own way, you you realize that everything is completely different from a higher reality, a higher state, a higher vibration. I agree. Some things just don't matter as much once you take a different perspective and you think from a higher place and going to the soul for sure you right so the smaller things as you say don't matter so a lot of it is just don't sweat the small stuff and the bigger things which do matter you have a completely different viewpoint like we're talking about compassion and so forth for yourself too for your own hurt and wounds 
and also then being able to help other people. Exactly, because we can only give out of what we have. So if I don't have something, if I learn how to begin giving it to myself, that will ooze out of me because the most dominant theme within me, it shows up in every environment I'm in. That's well put. I like I like the way you said that. I'm familiar with EFT. What is how what's the difference between the EFT you and your wife uh, teach? We, we, we do something called holistic EFT, which is emotional freedom techniques. The EFT, not emotional, not <laughs> the energy exchange. Uh, so uh, the uh, we have a little more holistic approach than what you might call a standard EFT. So the EFT is tapping key pressure points like acupuncture, but not with needles, but with your fingers yes. on the top of your head and your eyebrow and the side of your eye and under your eye and the under the nose and the chin and the collarbone and under your arms. You tap yes. them five or six times and saying an affirmation, which we use that, but we also do another uh, additional part where you're tapping a body tap of where you're tapping the top of your head. We call it a reset process. We add the EFT integrating the left and right brain and tapping your heart, integrating things into your heart. That's one part of, what we're doing. And then we, we have, uh, we have other techniques that we teach, which help people get clear about what to tap on. Cause once you know specifically the exact point, so to speak, then you can have the healing and the transformation is much greater. Why are, are those parts so significant in our body? Right. Well, part of it with, with, Eastern medicine is our body is a, an energy field. Uh, and that's even becoming pretty accepted in Western medicine that we have this energy field, prana, chi, and it flows through our body in different routes, which they, they've measured it in, in scientific instruments. And these points, this map of point, this energy under our physical being is, and it relates to our chakra energy too. Um, there are key uh, stations, kind of like, say, exits or entrances on freeways, just to use a real rough metaphor, or electrical energy points, connectors. And when you tap on them, you balance those energies so you're flowing more. That's part of it in um, uh, getting like rebooting or electrical circuit work. And with the affirmation, which is based on finding specifically what the unconscious problem is and the wording that you relate to rather than the generic scripting thing, which many people do when being very specific and doing the tapping, it's that combination seems to have remarkable results for healing people on physical, emotional, and spiritual levels. When you went through your inner healing process and continue to go through it, did you notice that you experience more of life? Yes. Yeah, definitely more. Uh, and and I, I like that question because it, it one way of measuring your life is aliveness. How alive do you feel getting up in the morning and you want to take care of yourself so you're physically well enough to, <laughs> too, which is, is part of being alive with enough sleep and, and diet that works for you and sunlight and exercise. Uh, 
the lifestyle medicine, as it's sometimes called. So when you're aware of that part too, and uh, you're more connected with your purpose, and that's why we write a lot and teach a lot about uh, living your purpose, which is part of your life plan, uh, then you're energized. It's like, what, what is it that I enjoy? What is it? What am I good at? And, and, and if I'm doing what I good, I'm good at and enjoy passionate, um, and connect with people, that's very enlivening. So your aliveness meter goes up, so to speak. Is inner healing different from healing from the soul? Inner healing is part of healing from the soul. So they're different. One way of looking at it, Maurice, is there levels. And we have a process, this might be a good illustration, and we have a process called the holistic process. So it takes the different levels of your energy field, um, namely your physical, your emotional, your mental, and your spiritual. And uh, your spiritual connects more directly with your, your soul's awareness of who you are at a deeper level. So to give you an example, one lady I was helping, she had a sore wrist, okay? Mm -hmm. So that was physical, right? And usually we're very aware of physical and often sometimes emotional things too, emotional disturbances. Okay, so then I asked her this, uh, the question, like, when you connect with that hurt wrist, Mary, what do you feel? And that may sound like an odd question to people. But if you focus and breathe into that hurt wrist, in her case, sore wrist, uh, she said, well, let me see, I'm feeling anxious, Philip. Okay, so then the, that's the emotional level. The next level is the mental level. So what, um, what are you thinking about when, what are you anxious about? That's the mental level. Well, I'm anxious because I need to I'm, go back into the workplace. I'm not sure if I can get a job and how it's going to go. So I'm anxious. Okay, so that's mental thoughts, limiting thoughts, anxious thoughts. And spiritually, which is the deeper level, is how do you feel about yourself or evaluate yourself when you're in this place, the stressful place, in her case. Uh, and at that place, it's it's a distortion. It's not your soul, but it's a distorted Thing that needs healing. And in her case, it was, I feel like a failure. I don't feel like I'm any good. So that's the spiritual deeper identity level. So when you start to heal that through the holistic EFT, the specific tapping with the affirmation, even though I feel anxious about going back in the workplace, uh, and then you're doing those tapping, those seven EFT pressure points and the reset on the top of the head, and then on the heart and some breathing. In a few minutes, she felt Better. She felt fine about going out in the workforce. In fact, even her, her sore wrist felt much better. And that was a very brief process. So it doesn't have to take a prolonged period of time to get into that inner healing that we're seeking, even if we don't know we're seeking that. No, not necessarily. I, I, and I'm not saying it always is very quick and, and, and easy, although sometimes it is with the right tools. I guess you could say metaphorically or analogously, you know, if you have the right tools, you can do the job and you know how to use them. You can do them. You can do something pretty well. If you don't have the right tools or don't know how to use them, it could be pretty difficult or unsuccessful. And you said there are different levels to healing. Well, the four, the in that holistic process that I, that I shared the story, the levels where the physical level was, her, in her case, was the sore wrist. The emotional level was the anxious feeling. The mental level was, I, I, uh, it'll be hard to get a job, you know, 
I won't be successful on this spiritual identity level is I'm no good or I'm a failure or um, I'm, I'm, uh, I won't work. I'm a defective. I'm, I can't do things, you know, I'm, something's wrong with me. So, uh, so those, are the, those are the four levels that are distorted. So when you go back again, and if you heal them all, sometimes with physical things, as we know, it's very dense and it doesn't necessarily heal right away. Then on a, a spiritual level, you, you feel all right. You feel at one, which means your soul connected. At a mental level, you feel like, yes, there are possibilities. I can find work. I can be empowered. Emotionally, you feel more relaxed, more at peace. And then you may physically, it may or may not physically shift. In her case, it, it just depends if it's chronic. It may take a while or it may be too dense or take a, some more healing on that level. And is it possible to heal physical ailments through aligning and healing our inner world? Sometimes, yes, certainly not always. Uh, we did a process like this on the levels with a lady uh, a few years ago. My wife, Jane Mountrose, did it. And uh, where she was feeling extremely sick for about a week. She had kind of a flu-like symptoms. She was coughing, she was pale. She was so sick, it was surprising. And we videoed this process with her. She was surprising she could even do the processing because she was coughing, she was pale, she could hardly speak. She felt like she was going to die maybe. She said she just could hardly get out of bed. She could barely speak to us. Okay, that was the beginning of the process and going through these levels with her. And this, this took about an hour. Um, it became apparent that uh, there were some energies, some stuck energy, some things that were residual in her that she cleared out. So by the end of the hour, she was had uh, her face had color in it. She was she wasn't coughing. She could speak. She had a tremendous amount more energy. Felt much better. We found out afterwards, Maurice, that this was a couple of years ago. That this was right when COVID was beginning, before people quite knew what it was. It was right just beginning when it was announced. And she had like a pretty extreme case of COVID, which she recovered from. And I think part was instrumentally was this process. So, Philip, how has it been working with your wife, Jane Montrose, in this uh, wonderful work that you all are doing? <laughs> <laughs> well, at first she was very wary about being uh, working with me. I was just sort of, well, you know, whatever, uh, because she was an architect previously in, in, before she got burnt out and felt like her soul was dying there. But she worked at a firm where she, the, the, there was a couple that was in charge, like the wife was the man, office manager and the husband was the head architect of the firm. And they, they would fight like cats and dogs and it would be very uh, disharmonious and Jane looked at that and she said I, I wouldn't want to be in a, in a business with, with Philip and <laughs> so she was she was pretty wary about going into it but our, our paths luckily as I said we were in the spiritual Gurdjieff group years before that had come together and at that point I was a school teacher and she was an architect but we were doing all this healing and learning on the side and hypnotherapy and beginning to have individual sessions with people and beginning to train people and we said, well, you know, as we became more successful and known, we said, we're just going to do this together. And we took the plunge and it's worked out ever since. Although we're very different people, we have sort of a similar outlook and a similar purpose. And we work together, although we're quite different people. What, how many books have you written or are you all co-authors? We've written about a dozen books, if you count the manuals and the e-books. 
and the new one is the loving power of your soul. We did one before that, the ultimate paradigm shift. We did one on EFT, one of the first books on EFT, getting through to your emotions with EFT and a second book on EFT. So we've written quite a few and some eBooks as well and some manuals for our training, our coaching and healing programs. We have some very good manuals that we wrote. What inspired you all to write the ultimate paradigm shift? Well, this book is, in a way, it's very simple and easy to read, like all our books, um, yet it's kind of an advanced idea. The, the premise of the book is um, the ultimate paradigm shift is that you can be the creator and author of your life. That's the ultimate paradigm shift. Uh, and so instead of being a victim and saying you have no control and you're at the mercy of forces. And it doesn't mean that things don't influence you and there aren't external factors. When you're leading this more soul-connected life, Maurice, then you are in charge. You are the captain of your fate, as Rudyard Kipling said, the master of your fate. Um, and that's the ultimate paradigm shift of being, taking that role as a creator of your life and, and seeing it as, as a creation. And we draw a lot on our work from Wallace Waddles, the 1900s, uh, he's well known for the science of getting rich. He also did another really even greater work, in our opinion, the science of being great. And he talks about living more on the uh, creative plane instead of the competitive plane. We write about this in our books, too. So that competitive plane is often where people find themselves, where we're in a world of scarcity, where we're fighting each other, we're, we're mourning our fate, uh, we're feeling there's not enough. We feel easily depleted. Uh, we're willing to settle for things. And rising to the creative plane, which your soul will empower you to do, is where you take your life as an extraordinary creative person. You tap into your inner genius. You're more resourceful. You're more grateful. You have a higher will to be well and a better sense of well-being. And you see the more miraculous possibilities and things to occur in your life. So... Part of that uh, ultimate paradigm shift is, is finding ways to live more on the creative plane instead of the competitive plane. It sounds like the creative plane is more of an empowering plane because you're not being feeling as though you're subjected to the outer forces, but you're creating your way almost. Exactly. Instead of reacting, being on autopilot, doing what you've always done, struggling feeling separate, alone in those inner states that we talked about healing earlier, you feel like there are resources uh, that you can respond, you can be intentional, you can be creative, there are people out there, you can take your next step. So Philip, if anyone wants to work with you or your wife, how can they go about doing so? Well, our website, which is very extensive, which has a lot of free downloads of articles and videos and, and a lot of trainings and courses is getting through getting thru.org, getting thru.org. But a free gift that people might really enjoy, Maurice, uh, there's an abbreviated URL for that, a tinyurl.com slash spiritual dash kit, tiny url.com slash spiritual dash kit. And that has a lot of resources for people who are influencers, people who are healers, people who are drawn in that direction, coaches, holistic people, self-taught people, people who are interested in the kind of things we've been talking about today. That would be a good free down, download, free access for them. 
And are you all on social media? Yes, we are. And uh, Philip Mountrose, I'm uh, on Facebook. That would be a good place to connect with me there and befriend me there or message me. I'll make sure it's in the description if you send that over to me. Um, Will do. Yes. So what is your one to grow on? What valuable piece of information would you like to leave our audience with? I would say just be aware of your next step. However challenging or overwhelming life is at times, you can take that next step. Breathe and take that next step and resources will come. You can be resourceful. Things will appear. There are possibilities for you, some of them beyond your awareness right now, but they will appear if you take that next step. Trust and it will work out. Thank you for listening to The New Mind Creator Podcast with your host, Maurice, The New Mind Creator. Today's episode has been sponsored by Abundant Sports and Truth Serum. 